All right, recorded. So, Collins Conversations, I'll let you introduce yourself, let everybody know who you are, and we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, my name is Kat Killinger, or Caitlin Killinger is what you'll probably find on my Facebook photography page. Um, I primarily go by Cat, by that's what my friends call me. Um, and I am a photographer and model, so I do both sides of the camera. Um, I started modeling when I was about 19 years old. I kind of just randomly went along to a photo shoot with someone, and when I got my images back, I was blown away, which um, kind of brought me to do... I was also in school for broadcasting at the time, and... Um, that's what got me on the other side of the camera doing video editing. I was like, oh, hey, I can pair this with photography and do it my way because I was starting to get kind of burnt out on photographers not wanting to do the ideas that I wanted to or not really like cooperating with me or um, me really wanting to explore the other side of that creativity level and um, just see what I could do. And it ended up turning into basically like a career. Um, I'm not like incredibly successful yet, <laughs> yet being the operative word, but um, I do make good money on it. I love what I do. I love both sides of it. And I think the leg up that I have against a lot of other photographers is that um, I have the experience on both sides. So when I get behind the camera, I really know how to make someone comfortable. I know how to make them um, feel like they're coming into their own. Um, part of what I do for photography is like, I focus mainly on boudoir, is bringing out their confidence, bringing out their sexy side, bringing out um, a piece of them that, you know, maybe they've hindered or they've kept away or don't feel like they can really show and that they really want to bring back out. Um, and from the modeling aspect, uh, I had a shoot actually just a couple weeks ago and one of the biggest compliments I got was, you know, he was like, have you ever, like, thought about teaching, like, a modeling class? Like, you're so comfortable in front of the camera. People usually take about 30 minutes to warm up before you really start to, you know, get them to feel comfortable. And he's like, you've got it down packed. He's like, normally there's some kind of fear or anxiety behind people's eyes. And he's like, you, like, there's nothing. <laughs> so that's, awesome. that's kind of where I'm at, where I came from. Um, I also have, like, a full-time job. And at one time I was doing full-time job, part-time job, and photography and modeling and two salsa teams, so, <laughs> yeah. Nice, so it sounds like you don't like sleep. No, not usually. Uh, <laughs> I, I can pretty much sleep when I'm dead, I think, yeah. I'm pretty much on the same one. Like you said, you were doing 8,000 things. My start, I'll leave the house around seven, start landscaping until about seven or eight, come back and do a little bit of web design, do a little bit of marketing, do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. The next thing you know, you're like, oh, it is 12.30, maybe I should probably go to bed or make dinner or, you know, one of those normal things. Right? Eat, sleep, <laughs> you know, do, do something other than stare at a screen. <laughs> right? So, you're, what got you, like, you had a friend, was that kind of just, kind of, let me see, just be the confident person behind her and then they're like, hey, can we use you? Is that how that first shot kind of worked? Um, my first photo shoot, it was really, um... You know, my friend was modeling at the time. Um, she's on Instagram as well as like a model who's actually like really well known at this point. Um, and at the time, like she was just kind of starting out. She was like, hey, my friend Rob, you know, he's the photographer. He saw you and I in a picture together on Facebook and said, hey, can you like bring your friend? She's kind of cute. I think she'd be a good model. So I was like, all right, sure. I packed a suitcase full of clothes. 
Um, did my hair and makeup, showed up to this photo shoot. I just kind of like did what the guy told me to, you know? Um, he kind of posed me and like gave me like pointers or whatever. And I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. And I remember like during the shoot, he's like, oh, you're a natural at this. And I was just like, oh, okay, sure. Like, I didn't think that I could be a model. I was like, I'm five foot one. Um, I'm, you know, overweight considered what the modeling standards are these days. And I, I didn't, I didn't think I could be that way. Like I did not see myself as a model whatsoever. I didn't go into it trying to model. I just went to like, oh, this will be fun, right? Right. And then uh, probably like two weeks later, like I remember getting an email from the photographer saying, hey, here's your first images. And I mean, my jaw dropped. Like I was like, oh wow, like I look good. And it was the first time that I ever felt confident. Like it was the first time that I ever felt pretty or beautiful or like. And, and seeing myself that way, I was like, oh, I feel like powerful. Like I feel like a new sense of like honest to God confidence in myself. Didn't know I could look this way. Didn't know I could feel this way about myself. And that's, I just kept doing it. I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I ended up putting the images out on like Facebook. And next thing I know, I was getting like messages from other photographers at the time saying, hey, let's work together. Um, and then from there I ended up, you know, one of my friends was like, hey, get Model Mayhem, like, it's a, you know, it's a networking site. So I put some images up there, made a profile, and next thing I know I was getting a photo shoot booked like every single weekend. That was it site, Model Mayhem? Yeah. Nice. Modelmayhem.com. I think it's a little more obsolete these days, given that like Instagram has become such a big platform right. for it. Um, I know that it's still up and running, but I honestly haven't used it in like, Five years and that first shot was that a boudoir shot was that just a regular it was, shot? it was like portraits somewhat editorial um, there was a little bit of a boudoir aspect to it but I mean mostly just I, like my first images of me that I got back were in like cut off shorts and a tank top and mm -hmm. heels and that was it um, and I can send that to you if you want so <laughs> if you need to like reference it or something um, for this but um yeah it wasn't it wasn't even like I wasn't even wearing anything like crazy spectacular like it was just something I like threw together and it's like okay I guess this works like right. you know and it was you know me walking down the street somebody probably wouldn't have thought oh wow like she's really gorgeous but like in the photos it was like I was like oh like I I wouldn't think of myself like this way before right. this happened you know and what about the, the photography angle? Were you always into cameras and things like that? Or did that start after you started doing a couple shoots? Um, you know, the funny thing was, I always remembered having like a camera on me. I mean, back in the, like, the MySpace days, I would like set up my camera, put on the timer, take like pictures of myself to, you know, try and get right. something cool. Or um, like, I remember always like going into some kind of form of uh, like a low grade Photoshop right. and editing my images and playing around with it. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. This is really cool. And then when I got into broadcasting school, um, that's when I really started to get familiar with like cameras and doing like video shoots. And I really loved like the editing process. And I was like, oh, this is a totally another form of like art that I can kind of like dive into. Right. And it wasn't long after I graduated that I like bought my first camera. And it was honestly just like, it was kind of like a love at first sight thing. Like I remember taking my camera out the first day to this like apple orchard with my sister and her friends. And I just like some of the first images I got, I was like, I'm in love. 
like one of them is still my favorite to this day it's just like it's literally just like this close-up macro shot of these like apples like on the apple orchard and there's like people walking in the background and i just knew it i was like yep this is it for me <laughs> like so from there i really just started like taking pictures for myself you know took pictures of my niece and nephews um like random like macro shots of like flowers and plants and stuff and next thing i know like i'd be walking into my local grocery store and somebody would stop me that was like friends with me on facebook like, wow your pictures are really good like you should do this right like you should do this full time and i was just like oh i never like thought about it you know and like even somebody was like oh yeah like i loved that picture so much that it's like the screensaver on my computer now and i was just like <laughs> okay like, you're thinking like it's just some apples like whoa <laughs> right yeah it was like oh it's just like some apples whatever they're like no it's really good so next thing i know i'm getting like you know messages over facebook from people saying like oh hey like i i want like pictures of my kids how much would you charge for this and i'm like i don't even know what to charge right i, I had no clue i didn't even i was like a fish out of water and i'm like i don't know like 40 bucks like which now, I mean, I charge anywhere from like 350 to 450 an hour. Mm. So it's, that's kind of where it got started. It was literally just like, I wanted to see what I could do and it took off from there. I think that's how most businesses get started. I mean, you don't really know, like you're saying, you're not overly confident in your abilities. So at first, you're not going to be like 400 bucks for the photos. You're like, can I get 40? Oh, I got 40. And then after a couple 40s, you're like, can I get 50? Okay. I get 60 and then after a while you're like I'm worth more than 40 50 60 I want 100 and you know I think it just the progression goes once your confidence builds oh yeah and it's and it came initially from people saying like I remember it was the first marathon boudoir shoot that I put on right I had done like maybe two boudoir shoots and for like my friends just mm -hmm. randomly here and there and another one of my friends who's actually one of my good photographer friends was like advertised a like a marathon boudoir shoot and he was like hey I couldn't fill all the spots would you like to model for me and I kind of picked his brain during the shoot and everything and then I decided I was like hey would you be like weirded out if I like kind of stole your idea and put out like my own version and he was like no I don't care and I only charged girls like 100 bucks an hour I included hair and makeup um, I roped in one of my friends to just help me out and do it for me mm -hmm. um, you know and she was like yeah I'll do it that sounds like fun like let's barter let's do stuff together so I ended up like just trading her a photo shoot for her to do hair and makeup for me and one of my clients was like you're not charging enough like these are good you're really good you made me feel confident you made me feel comfortable you made me feel amazing you need to charge more and I was just like okay sure and it's like time after time it was just like after i got like my feet wet and really got comfortable with it i just built up like you said like build up and build up and it was just like yep nope i'm worth this much now mm. like and it, when people try to dwindle me down i'm like no sorry i'm not doing it for any less than what i'm worth like if you want the 7.99 jc penny portrait <laughs> go ahead That's i'm little. offering you so much more than that like right yeah, I've got a labor background. I've owned a landscaping company, three or four of them, throughout the last 12 years. And the same thing that you're saying. Oh, well, the kid down the street will cut cut it for 15 bucks. Then why are we having this conversation? You yeah. Know, if you want a $15 lawn, you go get that. My price is 40 or whatever. It'll be for the same thing. And it's 40 because it looks three times better than 15. Right. You know, it's one of those, if you want me, this is what I cost. Don't ask what I cost. It'd be like, 
Well, you said 350, but could you do two? Like, no. Like, do you want me to do half the work? Do you want me to do half the edits? Do you want me to give half the fucks? Mm -hmm. You don't. So, like, it's amazing to me how many people don't have the artistic skill, but think that they can put the value on it. You know, but, but like you said, the photography, the, the tattoo guys I was just talking with, you know, especially a tattoo. You want a discounted tattoo? <laughs> oh my gosh, I tell people all the time that, like, they, they look at my tattoos and they're like, oh, how, like, where do you go? How much is your guy? And I'm like, I'm like, you have to ask him that, like, it depends on, you know, the size and everything, but I'm like, it's not going to be cheap. You want good work? Right. Pay for it. Like, you want the, you know, somebody <laughs> who's inexperienced to give you a $5 haircut? Go ahead. You right. want it to look like a movie star's? You go pay movie star prices. Absolutely. So, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, tattoos is the best example because mm -hmm. everybody that, that isn't artistic tries to, like, you know, especially businesses. I, I do a lot of marketing with small businesses where they're like, oh, well, you want $1,500 a month just to do social media. Well, yeah, because you don't know what the fuck you're doing with social media. Pay me $1,500, it'll generate $3,000, and you're way ahead of the game, opposed to just nickel and diamond wondering why you're not getting ahead. With tattoos, like it's a lifelong thing. Like that, your arm is gonna look like that forever until you decide maybe one day to get a cover up, and you want to pay even more per hour to get a cover up. So, like, why would you want to try to barter and discount something that's supposed to be a lifelong thing? Or with your photos, like you're, exactly. you're giving them the confidence. You're giving them. You can show everybody this forever. This is what I looked like when I was 25, 35, 45. They're like, holy shit, you look that. You looked amazing. Which maybe they did. Maybe you just did all the work. You know. Right. <laughs> So let's go back a little bit to the broadcasting school. You did that locally, right? Um, yeah, it was it, it was up in Cleveland at the uh, or Independence at the Ohio Center for Broadcasting. What took you there? What, what, what type of broadcasting were you trying to get into? Um, initially, I actually started out with radio. Okay. Um, I was doing actually radio at the University of Ashland, um, just like part time on the little radio show. I really liked it, and at the time, I was kind of actually like failing out of school a little bit. Um, my parents didn't have a lot of money, like, and I was actually the first kid in my family, and I'm talking like cousins, sister, brother, anyone, to actually go to college. Mm -hmm. And they were like, I, initially I was like, you, no, I don't want to go, like I can't afford this, like we can't afford this, we can't afford the $40,000 a year for me to go to this college, like let me hold off a year of work and then we'll try it again. My mom's like, you're going. You got accepted, you got into college, she's like, nobody else has done this you're doing it you're going and i was like okay sure fine so they like sent me off you know and at the time i i didn't have a car i didn't have a license so i was stuck there and i was work i had like a 16 hour course load um along with like the whole reason i went to college was actually for theater so it wasn't even like radio or broadcasting or anything like it was totally in other end of the spectrum was you know me thinking, oh, I'm gonna go in for like a theater major and I wanted to do theater education to eventually like teach in a, you know, in a high school or middle school or something and work with kids. Right. Um, and I just ended up failing out because I was trying to keep the 16 hour workload. I was trying to work, I think, anywhere from 20 to 35 hours at the movie gallery that was down the street that I could walk to from my dorm. Um, I was putting in an extra 10 to 15 hours at the um, theater studio, either in the costume room or doing lighting, anything else, because I needed it for my scholarship. So by the time I got through two months of it, I was burnt out. <laughs> I just couldn't take it anymore. I was like, right. this is too much. Like I had been working two jobs all summer, really didn't get a break. I was trying to save up for college. And then by the time like college came, it was just like, 
I couldn't afford to be there. Like I tried like a couple times like asking my parents for money. I was like, hey, you know, we didn't sign up for the big meal plan. Like I'm hungry, I can't come home on weekends. I need help and they could barely get me by. So I just dropped out. My mom was like, well, you gotta get back enrolled in something. You had a lot of fun with that radio station thing. Why not try this broadcasting school? Next thing I know, like drop out of school two weeks later, we go check it out and I'm enrolled. <laughs> like, it just dropped into my lap. It was just something that my mom was like, well, you gotta do something. And I was like, okay, sure, why not? So I'm thankful that my parents did push me like to kind of at least try. And even though like we could not afford for me to stay at that college, like going into broadcasting school, it was, it was just something that kind of happened and ended up giving me some skills that I needed for like, like I said, doing like the videography thing. And it's something like video is something that I'll eventually get back into. Mm. It's just a matter of time. I'm sure. What type of video are you looking to shoot? Um, I think like, I don't know. I, I would really love to get into doing like music videos or even, um, a lot of people are offering like video for their boudoir clients. Um, I would even be interested in like editing video for weddings because I think photographing weddings is way too much. <laughs> I just, like don't want to do it. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. We just got married uh, April 20th of this year and it uh, was amazing to me. Like, kind of like what you said, one of those like, you know where I stand asking for discounts so that wasn't where I was at but like we went to like one of the bridal shows and they're like, oh, you know, you're looking through the, the brochure and they're like, well, like four grand, five grand for the day. You're like. I'm only going to pay like $400 for food for like 800, you know, 75 <laughs> people. Like I can't give you five grand to come take photos of us. And we, we lucked out with my buddy JC, he's a videographer, he's a musician, he does a little bit of everything marketing. And I was like, JC, you know, like uh, your, your buddy Daryl, they were in a band back in college and he was my best human, even, even though the dog was my best man. And I was like, you know, why, why don't you come come through? Like, let, let me know what your rate is, let's barter a little bit. I don't want I don't want to knock you down, but like, let, what can I give you that's valuable to you? You know, let me obviously pay you a little bit, but he put together a phenomenal thing. And it's like, I, I was looking at him like, damn, these people are getting like five grand to go and eat your food, drink your food, and just take photos of you. And it wasn't until I started talking to more photographers, they were like, yeah, you guys are super easy. You guys gave no fucks, like, as long as some, you guys got the footage. But think about the Bridezillas and everybody. And I was like, oh, I didn't put that into effect. You know, like, we're at a barn, you know, a little barn wedding. We decorated it all nice and everything. But, like, more and I were like, as long as we have a good time, like, capture everybody else having a good time. Opposed to, like, I need you right here all the time. Like, I could only imagine the Bridezillas. Do you have any positive or negative stories from, from weddings that you've done? Oh, um, not many positive, I'll put it that <laughs> way. Um, I, the first wedding I did, it was just like, one of my friends was like, hey, shoot my wedding, you know, it's, it's basically a wedding that was thrown together like very quickly. They mm -hmm. did not have time to book a photographer or anything. And actually, I think they actually did try whatever the, the venue was supposed to provide the photographer and the photographer was busy that day. So they were just like, hey, you wanna do this? And I was like, sure, why not? Um, I was nervous the whole time because it's such a like time sensitive thing when you right. think about it. Like if you don't get the first kiss, you're screwed. Right. Yeah. Um, and like getting those little moments, you have to act quick, you have to act fast. And then, you know, you're talking about doing like photos at a wedding. That's technically like an eight to 10 hour day, right. depending on when the, like, the photographer's there before the wedding starts. 
They're there, you know, getting pictures of the bride and groom getting ready, all the bridesmaids, the, you know, groomsmen together, kind of that, like, camaraderie moment, like, mm. and then getting, like, photos of the ceremony, which is, if it's short and sweet, maybe 15 to 20 minutes, if you're looking at a 30 to 40 minute ceremony, like, could be a little bit longer. Right. And then you've got to set aside time after that to get, like, the staged photos of, you know, everybody together at the altar, like the mom and dad of the groom and, you know, trying to coordinate everyone and get them to not wander off and, and go off into the cocktail hour early and trying to, it's like wrangling drunk squirrels, literally. <laughs> um, and then like after you send everybody off, you have to like get pictures of the bride and groom stage together and get those nice, beautiful pictures that those are the ones they're going to be framing, that they're going to be actually printing out because the rest of these they're just going to be throwing up on Facebook for everybody to see. Right. That's it. That's as far as that goes, right? Like, Absolutely. But I still put a lot of effort into it. And then you're, you know, the cake cutting and the dancing and everything else. And by this point, like, by the time you get to the end of the night of, like, getting the candids of, you know, everybody hanging out at the party, like, it, you've started at 6 a.m. at the salon with the bride getting ready. You're not going home until 10, 11, midnight, maybe even 2. Right depending on how long they party. I mean, for every hour of shooting, I'm editing for at least two to two and a half hours. Gotcha, that makes sense. So it's like, it's like you said, you know, like, sorry, I kind of went on a tangent from your original question. <laughs> um, but bad stories being, one of the big negatives was I did this wedding for a friend. They, I was friends with like one of the groomsmen. He was like, hey, like they're on a budget. I know you're not really a wedding photographer. And this is after I've gotten like three weddings under my belt. They're like, I know you're not a wedding photographer. Like, can you do this? And I was like, I'll sit down and talk with him. Like I would maybe consider it. So we sit down and talk and I'm like, look, I'm not a wedding photographer. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I would rather you go pay 1200 plus dollars for an actual wedding photographer. Please do it now before any of this goes into effect, right? And I even said to them, I'm like, I have a full-time job, I have a part-time job, and I, this is my side gig. It's going to take me at least six months to get this editing done. I just don't have the time. I cannot sit down and just do it. Like, I will put aside like four or five hours at a time to work on it, but it's just not gonna happen. So, you know, told them this from the beginning, we even like signed contracts, paperwork, which is something that like I never even did before because at that point I was still just doing it for fun. Like mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you want to pay me like a hundred bucks to take pictures of your kids? Sure, whatever. Right. I'll do it. Like I enjoyed doing it at that point. And then <laughs> got through the wedding. It was okay. The bride at the last minute asks me, can you do my hair and makeup? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, sure like an extra 40 bucks. I'm not a hair and makeup stylist. I'm not certified to do this, but I did her boudoir photos. She liked the way I did it. The girl that was doing her hair and makeup was charging like 65 to 70 per person. She like, my bridal party can't afford this. I ended up roping in the same friend that does hair and makeup. I'm like, hey, just help me out. I'll throw you some money. She was like, okay, sure. She ended up being my assistant for the day, like making sure that my camera bag was where I needed it to be, handing me lenses when I needed to change out. The bad part of the story is coming up. It ended up like, like raining that day. It was muggy, hot. It was inside of a barn out in the middle of nowhere. Everything's fine. A week later, my laptop, my hard drive, and um, a couple other pieces of my equipment were in my car that somebody broke into and stole. Wow. 
one of the cards from the wedding was in the laptop. I freaked out. Could not believe that this happened to me. I was like bawling my eyes out for days on end, or well, for like hours, until I finally like was able to get home. Like at this point I called the cops, I made a police report, I went to every pawn shop within a five mile radius trying to like find it, like put, letting them know, hey, this is my contact information, if you find this, like let me know, there's an entire wedding on there. Um, I get home, thankfully my camera bag, my camera lenses are all still there. I open up the camera and the card from the wedding, from the beginning of the day to the end of the first dances was still on the card. And I was just like, thank God. Like, I mean, you're talking about the biggest panic attack I think I've oh, ever absolutely. had in my life. That's, and not, that's not the phone call anybody wants to make. So, bad news for me, I got my car broken into. Bad news for you, your wedding is gone. Right. <laughs> So I ended up, like, I was able to claim a little bit on insurance from it getting broken into. I ended up refunding them, like, we agreed, like, talked about it a little bit. I refunded them, like, $200. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even at this point, I'm like, I need a new laptop. Like, I need to drop another, like, six to six. I think I, I found a refurbished laptop to hurry up and get the editing done for, like, $600. Because at that point, like, everything was gone. Mm -hmm. All my, like, I, I had no way to even get them the photos. <laughs> and then at, like... Two months in, they were like, hey, when are we supposed to get these pictures? And I'm like, do you guys not realize like everything that I just went through? Like, I, I'm trying, I'm trying really hard to get this editing done. And then they like, by month three, they were like blowing me up every day. And I'm like, do you not remember the conversation we had where I said- Six months. Six months. <laughs> and they're like, no, we don't remember that. And I'm like, well, it's in the paperwork. All right. Like, I have it in writing, six months. Like we're at month three, chill out. Like, Absolutely. I told you guys to go get a wedding photographer. <laughs> I am not your person. So, like, that was the last wedding I did. I'll never do one again. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> will not. I'm done. <laughs> no more. And I think the, the one before that was, it was, it, again, it was like a friend of a friend's sister. The wedding went okay, except, like, the mother of the groom was just, like, almost shadowing me around the whole time. And she was like, the worst. By the way, don't don't forget to get pictures of the flowers. And I'm like, do you not know what I do for my like? Do you not know what my job is? Like right. this is this is what I do. Like, and I was just like had to be polite. Oh, okay, blah blah blah. And like that day, I think it was like August or something. It was like, so hot out. I had on like a short dress and like shorts underneath mm -hmm. or whatever. And at one point, like it was before guests or anything was there. And I was actually like I had like bent over to get a picture of something. And one of the groomsmen was like, you know, I could see straight up your dress and it's not tasteful. And I was just like, okay, sorry. Like just trying to like do my job. So like another negative, I'm like, after that I wore like maxi dresses to every, every event I've ever shot. <laughs> That's awesome. As soon as I asked that question, like I, I instantly went back to the last episode with uh, Josh Dobe of Josh Dobe Productions and his his first wedding that he ever did, everything's going well, they get to the church and the power goes out in the church and it's in a church with no windows and like he, he, I think he said that he had like one of his friends that like, you know, that's what they did was wedding photography. Same like you said, he was a little bit out of his realm, but he's like, I can handle this, I got somebody with me, but you know, like, what do you do when the venue's like, oh, power be on in a half hour, a half hour goes by, it's not gonna be on the rest of the day. You know, it's like we had beautiful shots, you know, out in front of the church and everything, but everything inside, you know, they're like the photographers are trying to hold up lights to make the ceremony happen and everything like that. It's one of those, you're like, what could go wrong? Cause it's gonna go wrong. 
But yeah, like you said, the people that just, I don't understand the people that hire a professional, whether it's the lawn, the plumber, the photographer, and they want to stand over their shoulder and be like, oh, you gonna remember that? You gonna remember that? Like I had a guy a couple weeks ago, closer than you and I are. And I have bush, you know, dangerous bush trimmers with me. Oh, can you get this? Can you get this? First time, sir, can, could you please, like, we went over this a week ago. I remember everything that you want cut to within a few inches. Like, just please get away. Like, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to turn around and hit you with bush trimmers. It's not going to be good. Five minutes later, if that, even closer. Oh, well, what about this? I'm like, sir, please back up. Third time, sir. Fourth time, get the fuck away from me before I leave. Like, let me do my job. <laughs> if, if I'm all done and you see me cleaning things up and at that point you're like, hey, this didn't get done, stop me at that point. Or like you said, if, if everything's done and you're like, you haven't taken my photo at all and I'm the mom of the groom or something, then you're like, oh, I fucked that up. Let me get a couple headshots of you. But like, why people think that's going to make you do a better job? It, it doesn't work that way. It so doesn't work that way. Not at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. It's just like, I dealing with like all the, you know, bridezillas and it, honestly, it's not even the brides that are the worst part. It's usually like the mother of the bride or groom that's mm -hmm. like the pain in the ass wants to deal with. <laughs> every time absolutely and it, it like it, the last one it just put such a sour taste in my mouth i'm like i never want to get married like screw this like <laughs> there's not going to be a photographer there <laughs> like i'll just set up a camera and take my own pictures thanks it's good <laughs> absolutely yeah i was the same way for forever i was like i'm never going to get married and whatever and then more obviously tricked me but <laughs> same thing you know like we, we did it at my uncle's property because he has a nice little mm -hmm. uh, like 10 acre estate they got a 30 by 50 barn that we decorated up we did our pinterest thing and things like that and even that like we had a small close family whatever you want to call it wedding it was 70 ish people in a barn but like the amount of planning that went into that and all the expense that went into that i'm like we could travel the world with less stress than that what we just put in for the last six months and like you said it's like me and Maura were on the same page with everything, but then everybody wants to be like, oh, well, did you, you do, do this? this? Did you, you do this? Do like, no, like we already got all this stuff. We exceeded four gigabytes and split it in two files. Thanks for the notice, Kenneth. Way to go. That's why I got my backup rolling. I knew <laughs> I did, I did this would work perfectly. I, that one, I'm like, it should do a great job if it works. Yeah, I haven't, I know that my Canon can do video. I just haven't tried. Right? Yeah. yeah like, and that's kind like, of why I went where I went was JC, like I was talking about. He's got the, the M50 and he's got a couple other little cannons. And every video I've ever watched of his is solid. I'm like, follow your lead. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move. That's a perfect segue. Let's move into equipment and things like that. As a photographer, what's the most important piece of equipment that you have? Ooh. Um, most important. Most important. Um,. I would almost say, like, let me put it this way, invest in the lenses. Um, I had I had started out with like a Canon Rebel T2i or something like that. I mean, like I paid like 1200 bucks for like the original kit, came with a little stock lens, and um, I mean at the time to me, that was a lot of money. I was like 20 years old, still living at home, decided to like just spend money on a camera. Um, and by the time like I really started to get more into it, it was like, oh, like, you know, people were telling me like, oh, invest in lenses. And I was just like, oh, okay, you know, I'll work on it. And my boyfriend at the time, it actually surprised me for like my birthday one year and like got me like a really nice lens. And it was just like my work catapulted, mm -hmm. you know, I was still pulling out like good images, but like 
you can have a lower level camera, but if you have a good lens or lenses, it'll push your work so much further. Um, that would be, I guess, like the most important part to me from mm -hmm. all of it. Um, obviously, you need the body of the camera to do any work <laughs> at all. Right. But you can, I mean, it, you can't buy talent is what I'm getting at. Like, you, if you have the, like, I've seen, I don't know if you want me to go on a tangent here or not. Tangents are great. <laughs> okay. So I've worked as a model with photographers that it's like, oh yeah, they've got this like $3,000 piece of equipment. They don't know what the fuck they're doing with it. <laughs> they have no clue. They don't know how to use it. Um, they don't know their angles. They don't know how to capture the right, or capture things, or at least in you know my opinion, the right way. And I've even worked with a photographer last summer that, you know, ton of equipment, like all the bells and whistles, worst photos I've ever gotten. Worst, absolute worst. He did not know how to pose me, didn't know how, like what he was doing with a model. And the images that he showed me for his like portfolio, I'm like, these are all just like lucky shots because he's not putting any actual thought or anything into this. He was just like, okay, like, and had me doing- Kind of rapid fire and hope something good comes out of it. Yeah, like, and had me basically doing all the work. And I mean, there are certain things like as, as a boudoir photographer shooting other women, or even men for that matter, I know what we're self-conscious about. I know how to pose them. I know how, to, I know what angles to get on them. I know how to make things look a little nicer. If they're self-conscious about their tummy, I have cues, trips, and tip, like things to tell them to like, all right, you're gonna do, you know, pose your body this way, do this, do that. And I'm gonna put out something that they're gonna be proud of and confident in. And this guy just like, I looked like I was pregnant in most of my photos and he was shooting from really low angles like the whole time he, he was more concerned with just talking to me than actual like trying to create something cool and it showed mm -hmm. it really did like by the end of it I was just like these are awful I I felt so low about myself that night that I cried myself to sleep <laughs> so yeah like I you can't buy talent like invest in your equipment but you also need to like learn grow obviously like nobody's gonna come straight out of the i'm sure jimmy hendrix the first time he picked up a guitar <laughs> wasn't a fucking superstar you know right. then he had that type of acid then he's like i got this yeah exactly <laughs> like <laughs> He, you know, he probably like worked at it, had a natural, like in those, those are the people that have a natural talent in it. You work at it, you can make it better. But if you don't have your base, if you don't have like something to go off of, you're going nowhere. And I, I always say like, do what you're good at, you know, like work on what you're good at. Like, I don't think I could ever be a mechanic. Like I terrible with you totally can by the way i used to think the same thing <laughs> by no means am i a mechanic but one of those like growing and doing the landscaping thing i realized like i could afford to take my machinery to the equipment shop but i couldn't wait the time of two or three extra weeks i was like there's no way i can't figure out how to do this within three weeks of some youtube videos and everything else the key to mechanics just like you were saying with the cameras and things is once you get the right ratchet set the impact drills all the actual tools that the mechanic has and once you also realize that you don't have to keep everything intact, like that was the first couple of days I did horrible. You're like, oh, I don't want to break all this other stuff and have to fix this. No, just rip all this shit out, put a whole bunch of new stuff in, and next thing you know, you're a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> you could 
totally be a mechanic. I tell everybody you can do it. I guess it's somewhat true. Um, I, I more or less was getting at like, I don't know. I. You realize you're good at what you do and you just doubled in on it and decided you're gonna really learn that crap, I think is where you're going, right? Yes, that's part of it. And you, you have to be able to put the work in. You have to want to put the work in is what I'm trying to say mm -hmm. is I don't know how many of my friends, even my sister included, um, have been like, oh, hey, like, I want a good camera. Like, tell me what to buy. And I'm like, you're better off using your iPhone. Right. Like, seriously. Like, mm -hmm. if, you, if that's all you're using it for, you're better off just upgrading your iPhone. Because I know what's going to happen. They're going to spend $1,200 on this new camera, all this equipment and everything. And then I think she used it for maybe like a week and it's been collecting dust. And I'm like... How many of those pictures have you taken with your actual camera? None of them. She's used her iPhone for every single one of them. <laughs> and I've even got like another friend like it. And she's learning. She's doing a lot better with it. But you know, she was like, hey, what camera do I get? And I'm like, well, here's my suggestions. Like, if you want to go this route, get this. If you want to go that route, get this. If you want to go that route, get this. But if you're literally just doing it to take better pictures of your kids, like the iPhone, like XS whatever has the same megapixels right. as the Canon now. Like <laughs> you're wasting money. Right. Like I, I and it, it's gonna be heavy. And like even you know she even like said like oh yeah we tried to take it to like the canyons and everything. She's like you know it was just so much to carry. And I'm like remember that conversation we had where I said just invest in the iPhone right. and you'll be fine. Like yeah like if you're actually gonna use it and like granted. Her camera can do a lot more, but she has to put a lot of time into learning how to use right. it, learning what it does, um, what it's figuring out what the camera's gonna do for you, mm -hmm. rather. Like that's that's my mentality behind it. So, like yeah, you can you can invest in all of the stuff all you want, but if you don't know what ISO is or f-stop or shutter speed or any of that, forget it. Like right. you're better off using an iPhone because seriously, all of it will will literally do it for you. And those things. Will put me out of business. I'm sure, at right. some point. Especially like, I mean, I just recently got the the real camera, opposed to going with this setup here. But like, I've also got the the optic, the wide angle lens, and everything else that I can clip right onto my iPhone. Which at that point, you know, is one of those like, as a content creator, I needed the that looks official as shit. Yeah, like, it does. Like when I walk in and that, they're like, he knows what he's doing. I can get close to the same quality right here because I don't fully understand everything within that right now but as right. soon as people see they're like oh he knows what he's doing or opposed yeah. to oh he's just he's just, just a guy with the phone. phone yeah but I'm, the audio quality out of this microphone through my cell phone is better than that big ass microphone on my camera <laughs> right like it's crazy how like and you know just the way that everything works and the programming that's in there or even if you just take your iPhone and you did a couple little apps that you really know how to use opposed to trying to learn Photoshop Photoshop took me forever to learn how to use, and I still don't know how to use 80% of Photoshop. <laughs> oh, it's, and it's endless too. Like right. I've I've been working off of Photoshop for 10 years now, and I mean, like starting out, like I put in the time and to learn. I watched like YouTube videos and tutorials. I was like, hey, I wonder, like I want to make this happen. Like, how do I do it? Sit there, watch the tutorial, practice it like 10, 20 times. I'm like, okay, now that I've got this down packed, I'll move on to something else. And like learning how to do those things and everything else like i mean but even still i'm still learning i'm still learning everything there is to do on photoshop right every once in a while i'll be like you know what i don't quite think i'm doing this right like i need to figure out how like i really want to make this image like as best as it can be so i'll like 
spend an extra 15, 20 minutes watching a YouTube tutorial, trying it out, making sure I perfect the art to, to put into it and right. the science and everything so that I don't have to spend the same amount of time doing it the next time I want to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's, I, I think Photoshop, in comparison to a lot of the other Adobe products, is so much easier to learn. Like, I'm trying to teach myself Premiere Pro. Ridiculous. Like, I'll, I'll work in that for a while and I'm like, I can figure out how to do this bootleg in iMovie so much quicker. I can just <laughs> run back over there so I can get, get, get this idea done before the idea leaves my head, you know? And then I watch some guys on Premiere Pro, they're like, how the fuck did you make that in 10 seconds? But like you said, they've done it so many different times and so many different angles that they don't need to figure out the workaround. And I figured out because I couldn't figure out how to do it the real way. Yep. You know, some, like you said, I do the same thing. That's how I learned how to do mechanics and a lot of landscaping and marketing and everything is YouTube. And it's, so many times you're following a tutorial and you're like, there's one or two things you did not say or did not do in your video because I'm not where you're at after step five. You know, you're like, how did they get to there or there? And you know, where some people are just like, oh, you're like, Alright, but go slower. Right. <laughs> like, what do we do? By the time I switch screens, I, I miss two or three important steps. Mm -hmm. And is Photoshop, is that your go-to program that you're using on, on your computer? Or is there another editing software that you prefer? No, it's all Adobe, either um, Lightroom or Photoshop. Um, most of the time in Lightroom, I usually open up everything in like Bridge initially, and then I'll go through and like delete the images that I'm like, oh yeah, this doesn't work and I'll like narrow it down and then from there I like pull it open in a roll to either Photoshop or Lightroom and make the adjustments that I want. And I try to actually um, make life easy on myself by putting in the work ahead of time because if you make sure that your lighting is right, like when you're shooting the image, which is that's another piece of investment. I mean, lights can go up to, you know, three, four, six thousand dollars a piece. Um, not to mention like the stand, the, the shadow boxes and everything else. Um, making sure your image is set up for success by the time you get to that point right. is a huge deal because you can't go back in time. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought up lighting because that was definitely on my list of things to hit with you. As for, for a novice, either myself or anybody else that's watching this, what are just a couple quick lighting tips, like you said, that can save you time in post? Oh yeah, I mean just making sure that things are lit well, um, that would be like my, my biggest thing is learn your lighting, learn how the lighting hits somebody. Um, even if you use natural light, mm -hmm. um, make sure that it's not like overpowered. You know, I, I have so many times that I've like set up an outdoor they're like, oh yeah, I want photos outside. And they're like, oh, when's a, when's a sunny day? And I'm like, no, we can't, <laughs> we can't do a sunny day. Like you don't understand. We actually need cloudy, like cloudy and overcast is like the best time to shoot outside because everything's nice and like more even toned um, or shooting in the shade, like, which can like, if it's a sunny day that can like hinder your whole thing. Um, so that's, that's the biggest thing with lighting there. Um, and then like investing in good lighting. Like I remember when I started out, like I think I spent like 150 bucks on a set of like cheap studio lights to like learn how to light mm -hmm. everything. And like once I got that and I was like, oh, I want to push this further and like upgraded and upgraded and upgraded, right. you know? Um, and I actually, am, I'm like ready to upgrade again already. So it's a never ending process. Never ending. <laughs> um, so yeah, those, those are my like, two or three tips is like, you know, make sure your shadows and um, high beam lights are, are balanced out well and doing what you want it to. Um, my biggest pet peeve is like having someone's like face like half lit or lit in a way that's like not giving them 
everything that they need. Because even with natural light, like it's making sure that like the light is hitting where you want it to. Um, and I actually shoot probably natural light more with boudoir than anything. I love the way that natural light hits the skin. Um, I love the tone it, that it gives the skin because it's not like giving off any kind of weird like blue or orange tint, um, which is the biggest things that I like always fight with and making sure that like, you know, if you have like a lamp over in the corner that's putting off a very yellow light and you have like one of your lighting fixtures that's putting off very like blue tones, obviously that's going to clash and look weird in your photo. Gotcha. So unless you're doing it intentionally, <laughs> which I've had people do that before in shoots, which ends up looking really cool where they put like one pink light here and one blue light here. and you know, gels and everything, like, puts off like a really cool effect, but, like, make everything intentional. Like, don't just like, oh, the light's good here, like, click, okay, done, and then you get in post and you're like, oh, there are shadows all over their face where they're not supposed to be, or I don't want them. So it's like taking the time ahead of, like, thinking about, you know, where the light is during the photo and not just trying to, like, snap a picture. Right. Yeah, the, the, as soon as you said it, sunny day is not the best. Instantly had flashbacks to our wedding where like, we woke up that morning and it was just the biggest storm I've seen in ever. And like for a week, every all we heard from everybody that knew we were getting married, like, oh, it's at a 100% chance of rain on Saturday. And I'm like, I've worked outside for 10 years. The forecast on Monday is not the same on Saturday. But then like, I wake up to the biggest thunderstorm in the world and I was like, let's go do it. And luckily like we got married at 4.30ish and then like about two o'clock, it opened up, it was beautiful the rest of the day, but when we went after the ceremony, went outside and around the property to do all the photos, like probably 10 photos we got with my grandparents, none of them are usable, because every single one, somebody's like this, because yep. you know, the, the way the sun is just so bright out there, you're like, let me know when to open them. You know, trying, <laughs> trying to plan how to get your eyes open in the right time, it's just too hard. Where like you said, those couple ones where the clouds came in, you're like, oh, light looks good on everybody's face, nobody's squinting, everybody's boom, boom, boom. Yep, and that's one of the biggest misconceptions. They're like, oh yeah, it's gonna be a great, sunny, beautiful day. And I'm like, this is my worst nightmare for shooting outside. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the brute, uh, before I forget, the, the one tip that I wanted to get your pick your brain for, some, mm -hmm. so a woman or a man or a couple that's looking to get into a boudoir shoot, what's a couple things that you recommend that they uh, do in their due diligence to find the right photographer for them? Um, definitely find somebody that you're comfortable with, that's like comfortable with your ideas, that's on board with your ideas, especially if you're wanting to do something like out of the box or out of the ordinary. Um, that's the, the biggest thing for me. Um, look at their work, look at all their portfolio, have them send you, I have no problems. Like I actually don't have a lot of my work out on my page because a lot of my clients want their privacy and want their um, um, confidentiality with their photos. You know, they might be taking something that work isn't gonna be okay with them posting, which I've had that in quite a few cases. Um, or the boyfriend or husband wants the photos all to himself. So they're like, no, you're not posting that on Facebook and getting other guys in your inbox. Like, that's not <laughs> happening. So yeah, making sure that like you and your photographer have like expectations ahead of time. Um, talking with them, get comfortable with them, get to know them a little bit, like, you know, that's, that's I think the biggest thing, is just find somebody you're comfortable with. Because if you, like, not saying that you have to meet them first, but at least like talk with them on the phone. Don't just book everything through texting. Every time I get a client, I'm even like, hey, can I like, set aside 10 minutes to like talk to you? I wanna know, because as a photographer, like, um, 
going off on another tangent here. As a photographer, I want to know why they're doing it. I want to know their motive behind it, what they want out of the shoot, um, how comfortable they're going to be, you know, with the level of maybe nudity that they want to do. I've had some people that want to stay mostly covered up. They want to be a little more modest with it. And I've had other people that, you know, are like, nope, I want a whole nude shoot. Like, everything's nude. And I'm like, okay, great. I love your confidence. This is going to be fun. Um, and other people that, you know, maybe like initially upon talking to them, they're like, oh yeah, I don't think I really, you know, and I always make it an option for them. I'm like, look, I am comfortable with shooting you topless as long as you are. Mm -hmm. If you're not comfortable with that level, I'll shoot to where your comfort level is. So if they're only okay with like a little bit implied, fine, no problem. Um, and I will make sure that like to know where they're at. And I even give them the option again because I've had so many people and I didn't even think about it when I was starting Boudoir that... You know, I had shot like a few different coworkers that were all friends together and um, they were like, oh, hey, she did topless photos. I didn't know that was an option. And I'm like, <laughs> you didn't say anything. And they were like, yeah, no, I want to do another shoot. I want that next time. And I'm like, okay. Like, I, so I always like, bring it up. And I've even had like more than one occasion get into the shoot, the girls, you know, getting really comfortable with me. And then like at, Towards the end, I'm like, okay, well, is there any like last minute ideas that you have that you wanted to do? Do you want the option to do anything topless or implied or whatever? And then, you know, I'd say like eight times out of 10, they're like, yeah, I feel comfortable enough to do topless. And then like, you know, right. I'm bare everything. And I love that. Like they're just being in, like so vulnerable and like, but confident at the same time in that moment. They're like, yeah, I wasn't comfortable with this before we started, but now I am. And then they want to do it. So, and that's like so exciting for me because they're gonna get the images and be like, oh my God, I'm so glad I did that. I saw the dog walk <laughs> I'm like, it's only a matter of time to a Parker. I'm like, let her get to the end of that perfect, perfect little segment. Thanks, Parker. This ad is sponsored by Parker. <laughs> but I think that kind of just says that, especially if it's towards the end of the shoot, they change their mind. That means that you fully did your job of you got them in their comfort zone. They're realizing, all right, she's doing a good job. I like the angle that we're going, you know. Let me bring out the breasts and I'm comfortable now. Free the nipple. Free the nipple. <laughs> it's a beautiful movement. I, yeah. it's, as a man, I don't understand why men years ago were like, we don't ever want to see breasts. What are we talking about? <laughs> I know it. And even, uh, so part of the, the modeling part of this is like, even on like Instagram, they want you to censor everything. Censor the nipples, censor, you know, which I get, I completely understand. I'm on board with it. I really don't care. I don't care either way. To me, I'm like, ah, it's just a nipple. If it's not out there, no big deal. But you know, half the time the shoots that I do, I'm like, I'd be comfortable wearing this like out to the beach. I don't see why, you know, like even in like the fact that it's lingerie, people are like, oh, she's wearing her underwear. Like, it's, it's funny to me. And I've even had like guys like, oh, hey, where can I see the unedited images? Like, where can I see the uncensored ones? And I'm like, literally completely naked jumping in the air and you're concerned about like <laughs> nipples that are the only things that are covered up like are you kidding me and they're like yeah and I'm like all right 50 bucks you can see them and like right. half the time they actually go for it That's so I'm awesome. like works out for me <laughs> now you gotta get your website started with members only and everything uh, I actually did a patreon for a little while so um, it worked out okay it's actually more work than anticipated and that it's worth yeah like actually I anticipated the work friends had told me like hey this patreon's a lot of work and I'm like okay sure like I can handle it like it's just like posting every week right like 
but I also feel this like obligation while doing it. I'm like, oh, I gotta make sure I post every day or every, you know, this many times a week and I have to keep it consistent. I'm like, what can I offer within my means that's going to, you know, make people want to see more content? So I felt like I was compromising myself a lot in that because I decided to do like a striptease video every month and it just ended up being like a lot of work like trying to find somebody willing to do it um you know a different one every month um being like wanting to put that out there that was another thing and then like how much do i charge for it and it was just i don't know it's just like i got to the point where i was like all right this is too much i'm just gonna shut it down i don't think i want to do this anymore especially with like the new job that i was getting like the new day job, I really like toned down everything. <laughs> like I went on my Facebook and I'm like, okay, I've got to take this picture, that picture, this picture, and this picture down. I think everything else is okay. And like even Instagram and Facebook, like I put everything on lockdown. I put everything like private, 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 took my name off of everything so that if they searched my name, they wouldn't come up. You've done a really good job, by the way, because part of all these <laughs> interviews is like, I kind of do my little deep, deep due diligence and everything. Uh, I found your LinkedIn profile. And you had, were on the honor roll in high school. Yeah. I think is about the only thing that comes up under your full name. Yeah. So, I mean, you did fantastic of scrubbing the internet clean of anything that a job could look for. I tried to. <laughs> because I remember at one point, um, I was working at a trucking dispatching job. And about a month or so in, um, one of my coworkers, we were out for like a happy hour or something. And they were like, hey, is this you? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I was just like, I got to the point where I was just like, kind of embarrassed and I was like, no, it's like really good photos. Like, you're really hot. And I was just like, oh God. <laughs> and the next thing you know, the whole office knew and they were like, oh, so you do modeling. And I was just like, yup, sure do. And so like at this new job, I've tried to keep it like, I haven't added anybody on Facebook yet. Like I haven't given them any of my Instagram. Like they know that I do like photography and I'm like, I would show you, but it's not safe for work. So I just keep everything like super hush hush and like don't tell anyone. <laughs> Absolutely. And as somebody that's trying to keep privacy, but also trying to build business, what ways are you trying to market, but market something that's risque moderately, if that makes sense? Um, yeah, it's mostly just, I mean, I've gotten to the point where I've actually like opened up my um, Girl With Their Dogs page, my modeling page to public again. Um, just because I know that like my, my job really doesn't care anymore. But it's something that is, is somewhat, like I somewhat struggle with because most of the business that I get is honestly like word of mouth at this mm -hmm. point. Um, and it's all, you know, like friends of clients or past clients or, you know, getting my stuff out there is like I just put like just changed the photography Instagram like two months ago like actually no it was probably like three months ago that I really like revived it and then I've tried to like post more and put stuff out there and advertise more um, at this point I haven't like started paying for advertising yet but I can see it being something that's gonna happen in the near future um, when I actually get my own studio. Cause right now I've been either uh, like booking hotels for two or three days. Um, I'm fortunate enough to know people who own studios that I can rent for a hundred dollars for a half day. Mm -hmm. um, 
So once I get to the point where I actually have the ability to shoot more, I'll be putting it out there. But right now it's just like, it's word of mouth. I've created Facebook events and privately only invited like the women on my, my friends list to say, hey, I'm doing a boudoir shoot. So that way they can privately say, yes, I want to do this and not have to put it out there or comment on a public post saying, hey, I want this done. But you know, their fiance is going to see it and be like, huh, what are you doing? What's up? Like, they don't want to ruin the surprise. Um, so that's how I've been like pretty much handling that so far. Is that how a lot of your work comes? Is kind of people just want to get that surprise for the loved one or is it kind of just like them talking together? Um, a lot of it starts out as I want to do this for my significant other. And then by the time they get to the shoot and they're like halfway through, they're like, I'm glad I did this for me. And then I end up getting a lot more clients off of that. They were like, you know, I've had like even single women come in that are, you know, they don't have anybody to impress or anything. They literally just want to do it for themselves. They want to, you know, see themselves in the light that, you know, maybe I can see them in or that I see people in. Um, and it kind of reverts back to that very first photo shoot I did. I hold on to that feeling all the time of like, wow, like I felt so confident. I want to give that feeling to other people. So even though it may start out as like something that they're trying to do for their significant other, like as a surprise for them, or sometimes they even like tell them about it ahead of time. Like, Hey babe, I'm, I'm going to do a photo shoot for you, you know? And it, it's something I always ask during the shoot. like during booking like is it a surprise like are, why are you doing this and you know nine times out of ten by the end of it they're like yeah I want to do this again for me like <laughs> I want to do this right like, not for anybody else but for myself right so. it, I think the more that you kind of talk about the this the confidence angle of it you know so many men and women kind of compare themselves to the magazine images but yet they're taking an iPhone picture in the corner of that room that doesn't have the lighting or the skill or the aperture or any of these other things to where if you could get photographed by somebody that does professional photography then instantly you look a lot more like that one you're comparing yourself in the magazine to so where you're not like oh my guts hanging out or whatever like oh I know how that lady fucking ate 16 donuts and looked like she had no gut you know <laughs> so those, the, the, the photographer did their job of putting me in the right position and then the confidence they're, they're on that same playing field as the professionals right and I get so many people that like come to a shoot and I even had like a guy recently do um, a boudoir shoot for his wife but he was even like hey I really like I want to do this for me too like I want that confidence boost I want to feel good about myself and like by the end of it getting his pictures back he's like man I feel so good about myself and it's like that's the most like rewarding like thing for me about all of this um it's just like having them say like wow you did a really good job I feel really good about myself and I'm just like yes that is everything that I wanted from this um I kind of forget your original question I'm sorry <laughs> I don't think I gave a question. I think it was more of a statement. So oh, sorry yeah, probably. Forget it. Um, okay. Yeah, like it's it's definitely it's 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 a rewarding feeling. It really is. I really love it. I love I love doing it. The fact that I get paid is a bonus. And I think that's what makes a real creative person successful. I mean, you could have skills, you could be a great artist, but if you're just drawing the lines because somebody told you to draw them, it's not going to come out opposed to where if you if you know that you could not only give a good product, but also give a good self-esteem boost, 
that boosts your self-esteem in turn because you did something good for a person. And at that point, once you've created that self-esteem, whether you're charging three, four, five, even a thousand dollars, if you can build them up enough and they have that in their account, they're like, oh, there you go. That, that feeling of dopamine was a thousand percent worth it. Right. And then, like, like you said, not only is it that dopamine rush there, but then they could put them up on the wall or keep them wherever they want and always look back and be like, oh, remember the time I had that photo card? Boom, it's done. You know, like, it's it's a, a, a way of taking the, making it timeless. You know, like, it's not just, a, I look good that day. You know, I remember that outfit I had on? You know, like, oh look, here's me. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, that's that's definitely part of it. Is like giving them something that they can look back on for for years to come. And I even even myself like doing the modeling thing. And like it's so cool to like look back at when I was you know 19 years old starting out, and I was just like, oh man, like I was so like in shape and thin. <laughs> trying not to like beat myself up to try and look like that, but like really owning my body the way it is now and mm -hmm. like owning what I look like and, and getting out there and still doing it even after that photo shoot that I had like a year ago where I pride myself to sleep because I hated the way I looked it's you know making sure that it's not making sure it's I'm still booking shoots and still like owning my confidence even though I don't way heavier have weight where I don't want it to and still like having photographers capture those angles that like other people might see as beautiful so I, I always tell people, I'm like, you don't need to diet. Like if you want to deep bloat and like, here's some tips and tricks you can do. I don't think you need to starve yourself for a shoot. Like it's just not necessary. Like if you, you know, if you are on a weight loss journey and you want to document the progress, then yeah, go for it. But if you've been like eating pizza every day for a week and want to do a photo shoot and you're like, oh shit, I need to eat salad. Like, I don't think that's the right way to do it at all. And right. I, I always encourage people, I'm like, you don't need to get a spray tan, you don't need to tan, you don't need to do anything, like, just come your best self. Like, here's some tricks, like, you know, if you want to cut down on your belly bloat or something, like, yeah, do that. Or, you know, if you're already doing it, then go ahead. But, like, no matter what, I'm gonna give you the best version of you. Right. That's the end product. And I think by doing what you're saying of just building that confidence, I mean, to, as a man, you could have 20 extra pounds, or you could be fucking amazing to look at but sad as shit, this one's far more attractive because she owns who she is opposed to, yeah, she might have the hourglass or whatever, but you're like, oh, nobody wants to talk to you because you hate yourself. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so let's kind of wind it down. Um, okay. I feel like we'd be missing a huge opportunity if we didn't talk a little bit more about tattoos. When did you start <laughs> getting tattoos? Um, I got my first one when I was actually 16. Uh, my dad signed for it. I've got three little music notes on my foot. Mm -hmm. um, and I am be lying if it said it didn't start a fight with my mom. <laughs> but yeah, I got I got that one when I was like 16. Um, and I had I just talked my dad into letting me get one. He was on board and paid for it. And then it's even better if you paid for it too. Right. <laughs> I know. Um, and then from there, I just got. Um, I waited, I think, until I was like 18 to get my next one, and that's the one on the back of my shoulder, which is uh, it's a medical alert symbol for my allergies because I have an anaphylactic reaction to penicillin sulfonylcephalosporins. So, uh, given my bad driving record, <laughs> uh, if I get into an accident and they see any kind of like open wound and I'm unconscious, they will immediately give me penicillin to fight off any type of infection, and then I'll die. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it started out as like a joke between my mom was like, oh, you need to like wear your medical alert bracelet. And she's like, if you don't, I'm just gonna get it tattooed on you. And I was like, 
I'll beat you to it. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> um, and from there, I've just kind of like gotten more and more. I've got another one scheduled for August 10th. That's going to be the full sleeve. Nice. So. And uh, you, you had kind of a, like a, I don't know the exact emotion, but when you said 16, kind of like that, like you went in, into it yourself. Where, <laughs> uh, the last podcast was Ove Mendoza, who's a tattoo artist in Akron. And uh, want to guess how old he was when he got his first tattoo? No idea. Nine. Oh, wow. <laughs> he was at, 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 a, at a shop, more or less. I was like, as soon as I heard nine, I'm like, like a household tattoo party. Like you grew up on St. Clair, like tattoo parties are big there. Like. No, like in a shop, one of those, like my cousin knew a guy that owed him a favor and I wanted one and when I'm like, nine, man, that's crazy. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> and it looks like you're mostly black and white. Are you going to go color with your other sleeve or do you like the black the black and gray better? I like the black and gray a little bit better. I have like hints of colors. I don't, can't probably see it. There's like um, a little bit of red in there. A little bit of red. There's a little bit of purple in the lavender. Um, so, and the whole story behind this is like each piece is for a family member. Um, the camera being me. Um, each of the flowers are actually for the women in my life. Um, this is for my dad, he's a mechanic and a motorcycle rider. So you don't need to learn mechanics. So if, no, if, if your dad was, you, you, you could figure it out. I have one in the family. Uh, <laughs> my brother's a singer-songwriter in Albuquerque. And then um, this one actually winds all the way down my back side and ends right about the bottom of my hip. So it's, it's not done yet either. This is all going to get filled in. Just be completely a full canvas by the time you're done? I hope to be, yeah. I, actually, I've, I've always maintained that I was going to stay away from my chest area and that um, I'd still be able to cover everything with like long sleeves on. Gotcha. And is that, do you think if tattoo culture changes in the corporate workplace is like, you don't care about tattoos or do you think you want to go back on that or is that just ingrained in you? I think it's already changed, actually. I think everybody's a lot more lax in it. Um, I don't think that 10 years ago I could have landed the job that I have now with tattoos, but I can walk around the office in short sleeves and nobody bats an eye as long as I'm not like over provocatively dressed. Mm. I don't think people care anymore. I actually had this conversation with my chiropractor. Um, he had about a half sleeve and he was like, oh, like I really admire your ink. And like I had just gotten this piece when I went in for a visit with him. Mm. And he said, you know, oh man, like I, I really want a full sleeve, but I'm like worried about how people are going to like view me and I said why you're good at what you do you are so good at what you do like you're one of the best doctor chiropractors I've ever like went to and this is why like my business is loyal to you I'm like who gives a shit right. literally like if somebody's gonna not book you for having ink especially on your arm of something that you're passionate about then fuck them Right. then you don't need that business. If, if somebody wanted to not hire me because I have a little ink on my arms, because then fuck them. Like, if they tell me to keep it covered up, then yeah, no, sure. I think for the first like two weeks, I wore long sleeves every single day. Right. And then like, I there was one day that I just like happened to like take my sweater off because I had just come back from lunch. It was really warm outside. And like all my bosses, I was just like kind of nervous. I was like, oh, like, oh. Hopefully they don't say anything and you know, you know, if they do, no big deal, then wear long sleeves. Right. But at the same time, they were like, eh, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. Right. We don't care. Like, you're doing your job. That's all we care about. Mm. Yeah, the last couple of guys I've been talking with about tattoos, um, both on the show and just in personal, I think that the general consensus of the tattoo artists that I know, I think they've all agreed that the, everybody's opinions are changing because 
what you have on your body is art, opposed to 50 years ago, you got the drunk sailor or the mobster with, you know, real shitty lines and it's all just kind of blurred and it's, it's not art, it's a drawing. Where now, I mean, what you have, I mean, if you were to have that on paper and put it out, you'd put it on your wall. Right. Where you, you feel better displaying that of, oh, well, yes, they have a work of art. It's not just, you know, like, scribble, scribble, scribble. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, I mean, like, sure, like, you know, keep it, if you're, if you are going into professional fields, like, make, in my mind, like, if they're, if they're gonna pitch a fit, if they're gonna fire me over having ink, I don't wanna work here anyways. Right. Like, screw you guys, you're too, you're too close-minded. I understand that, like, okay, you might not be able to get the job of your dreams with a hand tattoo or a neck tattoo or something that, like, you can't cover up easily, mm -hmm. um, you know then at that point you have to consider, was it worth it? Do you need to get it removed at this point to keep pursuing your career? Like, you know, if that's something that you're, you want to take into consideration, I feel like it should've been taken into consideration a long time ago. I knew that when I started getting ink, I was like, I'm not gonna be anywhere that's not gonna take me like this. So fuck it if they don't. And being a creative, you know, I mean, I, I use the blanket term creative for photographers oh, or anybody, yeah. but I mean, it kind of just like this as a content creator solidifies me if, if i was going to somebody that's trying to be creative and get really artistic shots of me i trust somebody that's covered in tattoos like you know art of different realms different mediums you know it's not just like i'm not using the camera you know it's like i oh, know i like art i like being creative i like telling different stories whether it's on a camera on my skin or anything like that like it qualifies you more than disqualifies you i think absolutely Maybe, like you said, maybe not if you're a lawyer and you have fuck a judge or something on your hands. Like that might not that might not work too well. Right. But, you know, like it, you have a camera on your arm, so clearly you take photography seriously. You know, yeah. like it's kind of just like a, a a forever resume almost. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like, and when you look at the career place, as long as you're not getting something that's offensive, like, right. okay, I don't have like a swastika or a naked lady on my arm, like <laughs> that somebody's gonna be like offended by then you're safe, you know, like to, to let it out. You know, that's that's what like my job says. They're like, oh yeah, as long as it's like not offensive, right. then you're good to go. Like Even with offensive, I've, I've, as soon as you said naked lady, I had a flashback to my bus driver of uh, elementary school, Mr. I forget his name, but I'll never forget right here to right here. Every time you go to open the door, it'd be the little pin up naked lady from, the, from his Navy days. And you're like, oh, hey, you know, I'm not allowed to look at those, but let me keep walking. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like an eight-year-old get on the bus, you're like, oh, time to go to school with the naked lady, man. Right. <laughs> um, and the way I like to end every interview, I don't, I didn't give you the heads up on this, so you're, okay. you're, you're on the on the hot seat. But you get to look dead at that camera, and you get a minute, and I call it the digital soapbox. You could say anything inspirational. You could tell people how to find you. Use it as a sales pitch. However, you want to end the interview for the people that are listening, watching, which whatever have you. You get to send them away on whatever note that you want to go, and you can start whenever you want. Okay. Um, what do I want to say here? It's uh, always the hardest question. Is the question I, that know, I don't actually, no, I know, I don't like actually to, ask the question, and it's the hardest one up to everybody. How do I want to wrap this? Because I'm like, oh, what direction do I want to go? Like, I didn't prepare for this part. Um, minutes. All right. So I guess like the. The one thing I want people to take away from like boudoir photography is, you know, just find a good photographer that makes you feel comfortable, you're comfortable working with, um, that's going to help create the vision that you have in mind, whether that's even like boudoir or headshots or 
baby photos, whatever it is. Like find somebody who you think you'll work well with. Um, I pride myself in making people feel that way. So if you do want to find me, um, I'm girl with her dogs on Instagram is my modeling page if you want to book a photo shoot with me in front of the camera. Um, behind the camera, I am girl with a camera 2.0. Um, feel free to reach out, book a shoot, pick my brain, ask me questions. Um, anything that I did not cover today, I'd be more than happy to answer anybody's questions on. Or if you just want to pick my brain on something, I'm more than willing to. And I'll leave you with that. Bam. Beautiful. And we actually had it recorded. That's always the fun part, too. Yay. So you did excellent. That was, <laughs> that was your first podcast, right? Yeah. Hey guys, Ashley Greathouse here from Encounters with the Darkness. I am also a horror author that absolutely loves to catch people off guard. But here's a plot twist that I bet you didn't see coming, and that is I have utilized so many of the resources given to me by Colin at Colin Can Help. You should go and check him out. He does everything from amazing website designs all the way to giving you tips and tricks for your own marketing needs. So go on now, go check him out.